talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast, back and better than ever on Anchor.fm and all of your podcast platforms, joined by the one and only John Mita. I am Joe O'Donnell. Oh, Jefferson's in the house, the mascot as well. Perfect timing. Oh my God. I mean, he's literally sitting at the door right now, Joe. And the fact that he just chimed out of nowhere. I mean, it's, he's it's, got it's eerie, he, isn't it? He's got near to the microphone, man. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, good to have Jefferson in the fold again. Get the whole the band back together. Oh, the band is back, baby. Uh, how'd you spend the bye week, so to speak, Johnny Mita? How did I spend the bye week? You know, just enjoying the fact that nothing was doing on the Eagles front. It was kind of silent. You just know that the players are kind of getting healthy. I think the one thing uh, that that was interesting is the fact that Doug brought in some of the guys during the bye week. So it sounds like that he wasn't really, uh, you know, too happy uh, with their performance last time out. So I'm kind of encouraged by that. At least, you know, he's, you know, trying to, trying to get better because they're just not good enough. So. We'll talk about the Birds' second but, half of the season, a little prediction yeah. over the last eight games here in a couple of minutes. Uh, we're going to jump into the Sixers' uh, new uniform design, that unveil, uh, probably for a moment or two. We've got some Philadelphia what-ifs and uh, a couple other things to get to as well, including, uh, I think, where we might actually start, which is, uh, I know you want to talk about the Masters, which which kicks off this weekend down in Augusta, but... Uh, I think we should probably start with the Brett Favre comments since it took Philadelphia by storm yesterday and carried into today. He was on uh, first take with your boy screaming A. Smith and Max Kellerman where they just basically, you know, come up with these takes. They give their opinions on stuff that really isn't relevant, just trying to make headlines. It's clickbait generally the entire show. Uh, you know, yesterday was his Patrick Mahomes already in the conversation for the greatest quarterback ever. Like, give me a break. The guys played two seasons uh, a decade from now. Yeah, we can anoint him near the top. Uh, things like that. And they had Brett Favre on. They asked him about a number of topics, including the Mahomes thing I just mentioned. And they brought up Carson Wentz. And he mentioned his opinion on the situation was that the Eagles probably should have kept Nick Foles after the 2018 season. And so Philadelphia then, of course, with all the outlets and the pundits have to go, well, here's what Brett Favre said. What do you think? Doug Peterson was then asked about it in his press conference today. He didn't handle it well. Uh, You are not pleased with the way the head coach handled the question, and he was asked it basically three different times, Sean Mita. What do you got for us? I just – I think it's ridiculous. And this is something that I've kind of referred to on a previous podcast, but the fact of the matter is – there's a fractured relationship here. It, it, it's amazing to me that the question comes out and has to be rephrased to Doug Peterson three times before he finally understands what the hell is going on yeah. and then finally de- decides to step up and, and support his quarterback. 
when a comment like that came out, he's like, listen, Brett Favre, he's my good friend. You know, sometimes he just says things. That's not what I believe. Carson's our guy. He's the one we drafted. He's our guy from day one. But the fact that he keeps saying, I respect his opinion. I respect his opinion. Well, if you respect it, sounds like there might be a little hint of agreement with that type of opinion. So, to me, terrible look. Finally, I mean, what if Rob Monty doesn't ask the third question and kind of bail, bail out Doug Peterson? Is essentially the question that Rob asked was, now listen, just so that everyone doesn't take your comments and runs with it, saying that you don't support your quarterback, Carson Wentz, I want to give you one last time to kind of clarify your comments. And then he finally came out. It's like, and then he and then he came out. Um, it's just a bad look. And it's just, you know, his press conferences are, have just been awful. And I'm really starting to sour on Doug Hart. Listen, I, I've been, I, I think he's a good coach. I think he, he's able to motivate his guys. I think he's good at delegation to a lot of things. But when it comes to being out front and center, when it comes to game day decisions, and I'm going to flat out say, his offense sucks, all right? I'll say it right now. <laughs> it sucks. Look around the league. Look at the best coordinators around the league. You're Sean Payton, you're McVay's, you're Shanahan's, you're just a bunch of guys that are extreme. Look at Frank Reich. Like, what he's doing with old Phillip Rivers. I mean, it, it's just, there's motion to their offense. There's there's it's it's just horrible and 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 not only that it's also situationally when he's calling certain plays you know when his his quarterback is under duress and instead of putting the guy in a five-step drop back then maybe he should only be in a three-step drop it's just certain things i just don't think the coaching's in i i think doug peterson can be a successful head coach but we look at where the most success came from and when he had the most success, let's call it spade a spade for what it is. He had Frank Reich as an offensive coordinator. He had John DeFlippo as his quarterback's coach. And he kind of saw overall the, the overall facets to the offensive side of the ball. But there were some major players on that side of the ball that I think, and that's why they had great success. Since that year, he's been 500 as a football coach. So you tell me, I think the proof is in the pudding. And I think, again, and I'll keep saying it, and, and we're going to hammer this drum forever until he relinquishes his offensive play-calling duties, until they get a new defensive coordinator, this team is not going to go anywhere real quick. So, it's just my thoughts. But I, I just thought it was, you know, it was just such an un, you know, let's give a big shout-out to the veterans. Thank you, everyone, for serving this country today, tomorrow, the future, everything. But he's not a foxhole guy. He's been hanging him out to try. I mean, the other thing is they, they drafted Jalen Hurts. And then everyone wanted to talk about, well, this is a QB factory. Okay? Was it really more than that? You spent a really high draft asset to draft a, a replacement for your guy. Do you think they feel that way in Green Bay when they selected Jordan Love? Aaron Rodgers took notice. You don't think that's been weighing on Carson's conscience all year? Finally, he gets the keys to run the ship again. The Nick Foles chatter is dying out, so to speak. And then it's just another reminder that maybe somebody feels a little differently. It's terrible. Brett Favre, we, we all know that 
You know, he's not the uh, sharpest pen in the box. You know, still selling all his copper fit endorsements. But, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's just, you want your coach to come out and, and give the confidence in his quarterback. And I, I believe this is a busted and broken relationship. And do not be surprised if the Indiana and Indianapolis Colts this offseason come calling for Carson Wentz, and we'll see what happens. Good hate stuff, brother. Say, hate to say it, but. Oh, I hear you. And uh, I couldn't agree more with a lot of what you said. He had ample opportunity to come out and defend his, uh, his quarterback. Um, you know, you can say he's entitled to his opinion. You can say he's a friend of mine. You can laugh off what he said. Um, but you have to come out immediately and just say, I'm squashing this thing. Carson's the guy. And he didn't do it. And I don't think he didn't do it because he doesn't believe it. Because even if you don't believe it, you say it. Like, that's how this thing works. Coaches, we want honesty from our coaches and, and the players. You just don't get it a lot. When you do, it's refreshing. But a lot of times, I think we all know. For example, Doug Peterson, what, a year ago, said, uh, the coaches are, you know, we might grow and these are our guys. And then they were gassed the next day. So either he's really not in charge, which we've been wondering, or he's just not forthcoming. Regardless, this was the time, you know, to just say the company line, toe the company line. And if Wentz isn't here next year or Wentz is on the bench in three weeks, whatever, times change. But you had to come out and just – squashes immediately and for Doug Peterson to say he hadn't heard anything or seen anything on Favre's comments yes the day prior give me a break like everybody that has a pulse on the sports world saw it and if you didn't see it Doug then somebody in the Novacare complex should have put it on your desk that morning they should have sent you a copy of the tweet they should have sent you a screenshot of the headline so you could be prepared going into your press conference and if that wasn't done, then that's a failure at other levels of the organization. It shouldn't have been a big deal. He made it a bigger deal by not backing his guy. Brett Favre's a donkey. I don't care what he has to say. If anything, Wentz has been compared to Favre, and Wentz has said Favre was his guy growing up, and if Favre can't embrace that, then screw him. I don't want to hear from him anyway. But the whole thing was just brutally handled he looks like a deer in a in the headlights in his most of his press conferences which for a what six-year head coach now is embarrassing get it together come out be a leader not only to your team but a leader of the organization to the public to the people to the media he doesn't do that enough for me it was very disappointing and i agree with a lot of what you said and i did see the rumor about frank reich madly in love with carson wentz i'm not surprised and you're right. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Rivers is sort of there on a one-year before he retires type scenario. If Frank Reich likes Carson Wentz, I'm not going to tell you I wouldn't listen to offers, but I, I certainly would agree with you that they're probably making that phone call uh, the day after the Super Bowl. Johnny Meade, got a game against the Giants this week. The Eagles are 3-4-1 and one halfway through. Quick, quick thoughts on the Giants, and then your prediction record-wise for the second half of the season. How do you see this Eagles team finishing up? Obviously, we both had them graded a lot higher uh, at the start of the year. I think most people did. We found out this team is not as good as we thought. What do you see moving forward? You know, there's a lot I see good things, okay? For example, this could be the first game where we have a semblance of a real starting offensive line. Yes. In my opinion, 
what I would do is, and, and again, you know, because I know the, the coaching staff listens to this podcast greatly. Um, I put Jordan Mailata back at left tackle. Isaac Sumalo, he's probably coming back. He will be your left guard. Jason Kelsey at the center. And then I put Jason Peters back at right guard. He made the bag of money to move to left tackle, put him at right guard, which he practiced all all season on, and put him there. And then you get Lane Johnson back. And to me, that spells one thing. It is time to run the damn football. Miles Sanders is coming back off injury. That's going to be huge. There could be an Alshon Jeffrey sighting. No, say it's not so. Um, basically, I, I think health is going to be hugely, drastically important. The bye kind of came at a better week. Basically, a couple games coming up. You have the Giants. You have Cleveland. Um, Do you have to win and, both of those, John Mita? Yeah, I think you have to win both of those because then you get a gauntlet, a four-game stretch. You have, like, the Packers, Arizona Cardinals, the New Orleans Saints, and I'm missing the one. are in there. And the Seahawks. And I think you got to split out of those two. If you can find a way to split, and again, I, I don't think it's – I think best-case scenario – this team goes in at eight, seven, and one with a winning record. Um, again, if you go in the other way, seven, eight, and one, it's still attainable to win the division because our division just flat out stinks. So, I, I look for for better things ahead. I, I, I just hope that Doug has spent those couple weeks off just examining this. The NFL is a copycat league. Start using other plays that coaches are looking. Look at the similar type of personnel that you have with your football team. And let's start getting a little more imaginative with the playbook. Let's get creative. And I think defensively, I think with guys coming back from injury, I think TJ Edwards is a good fit at a linebacker position, which has been a total disappointment throughout the year. So you got some defensive backs coming back. Big play Slay said he's good to go as far as health goes. So, Again, this division's there for the taking. You might as well step up and grab it. They've yet to score 30 points this season, the Eagles. And and the reason for me is the inconsistency with the lineup and obviously the turnovers. I think it's hard to envision so many turnovers continuing, but who knows? I'd be, a, I guess, from a, a betting man standpoint, I think they get the turnovers cleaned up. Not eliminated, but cleaned up. I think the December track record for this team holds. I think they can go five and three to finish eight, seven and one, which you kind of were on the same boat with. Um, they're getting healthier, but they need more balance. Help protect Carson Wentz by running the ball more. Get Sanders involved. Get Boston Scott involved. Make sure Goddard and G Ward are sort of those third down safety valves to keep moving the sticks. Uh, control the time of possession. It's not rocket science. It's just fundamental basic football be smart be physical and i think you know the defense has shown enough this year especially with the pass rush that they can hold their own but again they haven't scored 30 points through eight games the defense at times has been giving up you know 27 to 35 points you you at some point you're gonna have to outscore a team i think they can win this week because the giants stink yes they play hard for joe judge but if the eagles don't beat themselves on Sunday. I think they take a 27-17. They have a three-game winning streak. They got a Cleveland team that's, you know, not a world beater by any stretch. 
Um, Arizona's coming up. They're five and three. I, I, I think they're better than five and three, but sometimes you are what your record says you are. And uh, they just lost to the Dolphins. So, you know, Seattle's defense stinks. Green Bay can be Jekyll and Hyde at times we've seen this year. I don't think the Saints are as good as they've been in the past, but obviously they have a ton of weapons when healthy. So, yeah, that's that stretch coming up is tough, and I think a split is is what you want to achieve. But the offense has to be more consistent. The line play's got to be more consistent. And if they can avoid any more catastrophic injuries down the stretch, clean up the turnovers, I think there is a legitimate chance for this team to not only win the division but do so with that very uh, marginalized above 500 record at 8-7-1. and one. 30 seconds, yeah. John Meter, less your expectations for Alshon Jeffrey. Here's what I got. I think limited number of snaps if he plays. I'm thinking red zone. And I will predict a red zone touchdown for Alshon Jeffrey against the Giants on Sunday. But I'm not expecting a lot. He certainly shouldn't be taking snaps away from Rager or uh, Or Fulgham. Whiteside. Or Fulgham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. take away Ortega Whiteside's special team snaps. Whatever five snaps yeah. he's going to get in the uh, game. What are your and expectations for Alshon? And I'll give a prediction real quick. I'm, I'm saying the Eagles are going to win this game. They're going to eclipse the 34 mark because I got a feeling Carson Wentz is going to come out pissed off and on fire. So I'm going with 34-17. All right. I'll take it. What, what about Alshon? Right. What are you thinking? Alshon, I, I love your prediction. He is a great red zone target. I'm thinking three catches for uh, 25 yards and a uh, touchdown. All right. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Listen, just to get him back on the field, if it helps It's another all, weapon. It's another starting wide receiver. Yes. And again, which will just alleviate some of the pressure on the rookies that have pretty much started from day one all year. To the Sixers uniforms. The oh, city boy. edition. I like it. <laughs> a, lot of, uh, a lot of criticism, a lot of fanfare. <laughs> I did notice that the Sixers... They mailed out a bunch of jerseys to um, influencers, if you will. Jalen Mills was on his uh, Twitter account yeah. opening a package from the Sixers, which was a customized Mills jersey. Uh, your girl, Natalie Eggenhoff. Yeah, from 97.5 had one on sure. today with she her got, name. Yeah. You know, she didn't pre-order yep. that. Like, no. I give them credit, you know, for getting the word out there. I, if I had a free jersey, I'd be on my Instagram page pimping it for the Sixers. But I wasn't a huge fan of the design. I'll say this. I love the tribute to Boathouse Row. That's a Philly thing, right? But I'm not yep. a fan of the color scheme. I saw a lot of criticism on the font and the shadowing of the font. Like it was a, a first grader using Photoshop. And the thing that probably bothers me the most is when I read that Ben Simmons is the reason they introduced these jerseys. Because as we know, I, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm going to sound like the uh, get-off-my-lawn guy. I'm going to sound like the old stick-to-sports. But Ben Simmons, for the love of God, practice your jump shot. Who cares what jerseys you're going to wear, okay? I understand look good, feel good, play good, all that nonsense. Just actually shoot the basketball into the hoop for more than a foot and a half away, and Philadelphia will love you forever. That's all I got. I like it. Yeah. Um, again, Boathouse Row. It's one of the most beautiful sights you'll ever see, especially if you're driving down the Schuylkill Expressway late at night and it's illuminated with different colors and 
it's just an amazing thing to, to look at. Uh, so I do like that aspect. I agree the font color scheme probably could have been a little better. Um, but hey, we're going to roll with it. I didn't, you know, I'm a huge influencer. Apparently mine got lost in the mail. It's with coming. Maybe some mail in, and maybe with some mail-in ballots. But, um, <laughs> um, but anyway, but a- again, I agree with you. I- I'm excited for the season. Let's, I mean, real quick, let's, I mean, the NBA, it's going to be here before we know it. They're kicking off December 22nd. The league and the players have agreed to a deal. It's going to be a 72-game season. Uh, the draft is going to be in, let's see, I believe that's, what, November 18th? So maybe one week from uh, tonight, maybe. Oh, Johnny, um, we got to get a draft preview in next week, then early in the week. We're going to have to put, put some on the, on, the, on the record. So, And it's going to be interesting. There's all the rumors circulating with trade scenarios. A lot of big-time veterans might be on the move. There are more more eggs in the fold, so uh, it should be an interesting draft night for the Sixers upcoming. Um, so yeah, we'll have to get something in there. But all in all, it'll be interesting. New Jersey, you know, I'd probably go out and buy that jersey. Then the player gets traded, and then that goes right in the archives with all my other dead jerseys. <laughs> uh, your oh God, who was the linebacker? Your Jordan Hicks jersey? No, your Michael Kendrick oh, yeah. jersey. Which one was it? Still got it. You got both? Still got both of them. Oh, my God. Yeah. Kendrick, yeah. The only guy with worst jersey. Jersey tape? Jersey tape? Jersey skeleton in his closet is my brother-in-law, your good friend, Keith Michael 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 Michael. Uh, Because he's got some beauty. We've gotten some hand-me-downs here. Uh, I could go grab the Kyle Corver jersey we have for the kids. Whoa. uh, that's still Whoa. a little too big for them. Uh, oh man! I'd Kyle like to see Corver. his closet Chase cleaned Square? out. Oh man, he he's got some beauties. I agree. I mean, I have a Carson Wentz jersey. Am I am I am I being told now that that could be a uh, make <laughs> could it be the a old relic. skeleton rank by next year? My God! Uh, Good thing I didn't get the authentic one. Quick, Holy quick crap. stat of the day, John Mita. Before we go to our Philly sure. what ifs, and then uh, yep. I know you want to yep. talk about the Masters. With his 435 receiving yards, Travis Fulgham already has Mm -hmm. the seventh best, seventh best season for an Eagles wide receiver in the Doug Peterson era, and he's played five games. It's uh, pretty damning. It just goes to show and reiterates the fact that uh, we can't draft wide receivers. Thank you. All right, to Philly, what ifs? And I saw this, I believe it was uh, one of the local stations, either WIP or the Fanatic, and they were doing a – What's one of the biggest Philly sports what-ifs? So what if this had happened instead of that? Or what if that never happened? I got a couple for you. I'll go one, you go one. We'll flip them back and forth here. And uh, okay. the first one, since we're on the theme of the birds, uh, for the most part here on the Brotherly Love Podcast, on Twitter at Love Podcast, would be what if Carson Wentz never got hurt in the Rams game in December 2017? Now, we're not looking for an answer here. It's sort of a rhetorical. If you want to comment, feel free, my friend. But that is a what if that, uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't even know where to go with it, to be quite honest. But at the time, we were all crushed. We all thought the season had come to a crashing halt. And then the Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl with Foles at the helm. So I guess uh, my first one would be what if Carson Wentz never got hurt that year? All right. Everyone knows uh, what a draft, NFL draft nut I am. And 
what type of players should be picked, but here here is one of the greatest what-ifs of my lifetime. 1998, there was a fantastic receiver that started his illustrious career at Florida State, then he ended up at Marshall University. And to come, to basically, I think, to become maybe the second greatest receiver in NFL history yeah. next to the great, great one, Jerry Rice. But what if the Eagles, instead of selecting Trey Thomas at a number 11, Trey turned out to be a great player, left tackle, great bookend tackle. Don't get me wrong. But what if they drafted the guy I wanted all along, Randy Moss? I would have went bananas. So that's a big what if. That is a great one. I got one more for you. Okay. And it's what if the Philadelphia Flyers had never acquired Eric Lindros? Ooh. That's a, that'll make you a little bit. was drafted by Quebec. He didn't want to play for the Nordiques. Uh, he essentially refused to play there. The Flyers pulled off the deal. The Rangers were in the mix. The Flyers got it done. They dealt the rights to Peter Forsberg. They traded, what, six other players, a ton of draft picks and cash, and it was a blockbuster deal by any era, let alone back then uh, in the 90s. But what if the Flyers had never acquired Eric Lindros? Interesting, interesting. All right, what's your final one? What do you got? All right, the final one, I'm going to swing it back to the NBA, and we're going to talk a little more draft. And because the uh, Sixers have been hampered by the draft, another Philadelphia franchise hampered by terrible draft decisions. What if in 1993, instead of picking the 7-6 center from BYU that was on a mission in Africa – Sean Bradley, that's right, the perennial star of Space Jam. I'm kidding, obviously. <laughs> and we decided to draft none other than one of the great nicknames in sports, Anthony Penny Hardaway. Wow. What if? What if? Mm. Penny would have fit right in. Huh? Yeah, man. He was a great player. Obviously, injuries kind of derailed his you career. You could have Penny and, I, was... and AI on the court at the same time. That would have been something. When they, yeah, that would have been something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what I was what ninety eight, ninety seven, something like Mm -hmm. that. Maybe ninety seven. Interesting. Good stuff. All right. What do you got on the Masters? Oh, actually, let me ask you this. Well, this is a little bit of on on the fly for you. Yesterday, sure. um, What what do they do at the Masters on Tuesday? They goof around. They hit some practice shots. Is it the par three? Well, usually, I mean, the, the thing that's, you know, one of the things it's like awesome to see is uh, the Masters has a great little par three, nine yeah. hole or nine hole three par three contest. You know, guys get to bring out their girlfriends, their significant others. They get the caddy form. Um, sometimes uh, players bring out their kids. It's just a great little tradition that, that was definitely missing because of COVID. Thank you, COVID. The, the gift that just keeps on giving. Um, but yesterday, I mean, was just one of the craziest That's golf shots I was shots just going to ask you. Seen. Is that the best golf shot you've ever seen from John Rahm? Where they were I mean, would, would skipped, it be the best? intentionally skipped it off the drink and made the best and maybe one of the luckiest, but one of the sickest shots I've ever – I mean – Listen, we've all skipped one in the water. I can raise my hand several times for that that uh, achievement. Yeah. 
never have I skipped one to the green and it went in, let alone make it even close to the pin. So that was just unreal. I mean, it was, and he did it on his 26th birthday, John Rob, which then segues into he is going to be my pick. I think he is going to win a green jacket and he's finally going to get the monkey off his back. And all right, maybe not say that. He's going to get, um, you know, the albatross like uh, Steve Young did and finally win his first major. So I think it's going to be a great, it, it, listen, the Masters, take it for what it is. Unfortunately, the weather doesn't look like it's going to be like the weather that they usually get in Augusta, Georgia in April. But I, the, the field is crazy. I mean, you have guys that have been dominating all year. You got Dustin Johnson's had a tremendous year. Bryson DeChambeau, I don't know if anybody's seen this guy. The guy hits the ball a country mile. I mean, a country mile. He, if those that don't follow golf, this guy literally in the offseason bulked up by like 45 pounds. People think he's on steroids. And the, the guy's driving the golf ball over like 400 yards at times. So it's kind of crazy because if you, it, it's such a distinct advantage if you can hit the ball that long and then only have these small irons in. Um, so he's going to be interesting. So you always have the Tiger factor. Tiger found a way to, to pull this tournament off. Um you know, a, over a year ago. So you got Brooks Kepka in there. He's always, 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 he finished second last week in the Houston Open, but Brooks Kepka is always a threat in any major that he plays in. You got some youngsters. Matt Wolf is a guy that could make some noise, could creep up into the board, but I think it'll be a phenomenal, fantastic golf tournament. The course is just one of the most beautiful places in the world. At some point in my in my career, it's definitely on my bucket list. But I think the te- in no order, I, I think some of the leaders are going to finish high. I think it'll come down to DeChambeau, Rahm, and 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 Dustin Johnson. And I think and in top five, I think you look at Kepka, and I think Matt Wolf is a surprise in the top five. So that'd be my prediction. I'm looking for for some great things and. Uh, it's so weird to be in November, but I'll take the Masters any anytime I can get it for sure. All right, good stuff, brother. Always appreciate the uh, insight there. And I've got just one more thing for you, really. The NFL with 56 positive cases from November 1st to 7th. Now, cases are up all over the U.S. I guess to me, that just signals that it's a numbers game, and at some point if they're up all over the country, they're going to be up in the sporting world, too, especially when you don't have a bubble, but just a little food for thought there. And lastly, John Mead, I'm going to give some credit to Mike Tomlin. I hate the Steelers. You know that. I've never been afraid to say I hate the Steelers. But Mike Tomlin's a guy I've always respected. He's now gone 14 years without a losing season as a head coach. Um, you know, to have Le'Veon Bell on the roster, no longer. Antonio Brown, no longer. They still have talent. Drafting, leadership, stability. That's what I think about when I think about Mike Tomlin. I hate the Steelers, but I want to give that guy some credit. He's a hell of a football coach. doesn't matter who they lose, who they gain. For the most part, uh, they're always in the mix, hence 14 years without a losing season. That's all I got for you. Yeah, yeah, I, I love shout-out to Tomlin. As you know, I hate um, Pittsburgh. I don't hate them. I, can I say that? I don't know. I dislike them strongly. <laughs> um I've actually started a class yesterday, and it turns out one of the people on my Zoom call, this girl chimes in, and she says, 
Well, I'm here. I'm part of the, I live in the hometown of the greatest football team in the world. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, who is this? And of course, she had to be a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. She fit the bill to a T. But I agree with you, Mike Tomlin, he is one of my most admired coaches in all the NFL. The fact that he has never had a losing season and he had to start a guy like Duck Hodges or another guy named after an animal, Mason Rudolph, <laughs> last year and still found a way to go 500. Big ups to Mike Tomlin. Listen, if he was ever fired, I wouldn't mind him running our football team. That's all I'm saying. Amen. So, uh, yeah. All right, Johnny yeah. Mina, enjoy the Masters. Good podcast as always, my friend. Nice catching up with you, and go Birds. Absolutely. Go Birds. Let's get it done. Let's get back to the real 500 level. Love it. <laughs> Thanks, for everybody, for tuning in. For John Mina, Joe O'Donnell, it's the Brother of the Love podcast. Subscribe, like us, all those sorts of things. We appreciate the feedback. Appreciate all the love and support. Brother of the Love podcast. Till next time, we'll see